Welcome to Discover Indie Film. I'm Jeff Howard, and I'm very excited because you already saw in the title of this podcast, Frederick Taylor is here. Hey, sir. How you doing, my man? I'm good. This is number four for us, I think. This is officially three in the studio and one remote using technology. Yeah, that first one was during COVID. It was. By it, Zoom. It was, yes. Yeah. yeah. And so you were some guy it. in Atlanta, and I was some guy in L.A., and you were like, yeah, I guess I'm willing to talk to this person about my film. Exactly. And look at us now. Pre-existing Freedom was, was yes. in Sherman Oaks Film Festival, correct? Correct. Yes, it was. Where it won awards and things. Yes, it did. Very happy about that. Yes. I'm happy. We are thrilled. And we discovered we really like talking, so yeah. this will be the third one, probably, with the title... Uh, Frederick and Jeff shoot the shit. There you go. I think I called them that, right? You did. Um, we need a t-shirt. Oh my god! I will. I, I'm. I'm kind of a t-shirt whore. Are I you love, really? I, I love making that. custom I shirts. I love wow. making. I had a niece ask me to make a shirt that said "Brace Face," and I wouldn't just settle for the words. I actually made my own smiley face graphic with braces. I placed all the braces myself on the thing's teeth. And printed it. And about 17 people I never met ordered it off some website. Boom. There you go. I've made seven, I've sold 17 original shirts. Original graphics. possibly be your true calling. Yeah, like 15, 20 years ago, everyone thought they'd get rich by being a t-shirt maker. Yeah, that was a thing. It was a dumb thing. It was a dumb thing. Yeah. But I've, I'm, I'm not, I'll embrace the stupid sometimes. I I will, I will. I will, I will make, we'll have to take a photo of ourselves that we're proud of. No, no, I'll get an illustrator to draw us. Even better. There yeah. you go. Yeah, because photos don't work. No, they don't work. And they don't live throughout time the way a illustrator. And I'll, I'll wear an Atlanta hat and you wear a Dodgers and hat. And I'll wear a Dodgers hat. There you go. Fool them all. You know, I'm pro Atlanta. I don't have, uh, I don't have any dislikes. I dislike most of the uh, Texas teams. And the Boston teams, because the people from there are just too into their sports. And too into themselves. Yes. Too. Therefore, too into their sports. Exactly. Yeah. They don't live their lives to the fullest. Nor do I, because I just revealed how petty I am and that my only sports enthusiasm is, is, is in hating. You know, I just, I don't root for anyone, but I root against teams and cities that have too much school spirit for me. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, you're just operating at the opposite end of the spectrum. You know, there is rabid love, and then there is uh, profound hate. (laughs) Rabid love meets profound hate. Right. Exactly. When I see rabid love, I'm like, well, that's rabid. You have a virus making your brain turn you into a flesh-eating zombie. So Mm -hmm. you've lost it. So i got to counteract you. Mm Mm-hmm. And you have a checklist of things that support your um, platform of hate. Yeah, there's a specific reasons. It's evidence based research I've done. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you meet someone from Boston, and if they're like a rabid sports fan, then you're like, okay, I right. I I love that you have something you care about, but you realize like. You're just rooting for the shirts, right? That's that old Seinfeld joke. They're rooting for the the shirt because the players change all the time now. All the time. All the time. 
It's got really, what, what has it got to do with your city? So anyway, you're here yes. in Los Angeles. Yes. For AFM, the American Film Market. Correct. The beginning of 2024, basically, in the world of uh, distribution, independent filmmaking, and the uh, big dogs that are kind of sniffing around seeing uh, what's hot, what's not, what's next is, as well. Um, and, and, and you're putting Tomorrow Pictures on the map. Correct. And not only the American map, but the global map as, as well. The game has changed. It's not your grandfather's AFM. Uh, now it's really all about not only can you sell in Peoria, Illinois, can you sell in London, Tokyo, Berlin, Paris, and uh, all of those fun places too. And also now, you know, uh, Nigeria and Senegal and Southeast Asia and South America South Africa, you know, you, you got to really be able to sell, sell, sell because we live in a wireless world now. So anybody can watch anything at any time. I mean, it's so different now. Yeah. It used to, they used to literally sell a film market by market sure. or a TV show market sure. by market. And it was grindingly slow. And like, yeah, a TV high is on in every country in the world except North Korea and Iran. And if those people For know how to use reasons. a if they know how to use a VPN. <laughs> but if someone if someone is there and they own a computer and they have broadband, they're obviously upper class. And they probably have a VPN anyway to pretend that they're in, you know, in the States anyway. So they probably there's people in those markets too. There's high school kids in Tehran that are watching TV high. That's beautiful. There you to go. me, yeah. Absolutely. You know, three cheers for youth culture. And Iran, yeah, doesn't Iran, you would know, right? Iran has, like, the average age is under 30 or something It's insane. Like it, and you could say not only Iran, but all of Africa, you know, and that's what people are failing to realize. The surge of young people that are emerging globally, it's coming from Africa and it's about time, and this is how these things run. They run in cycles, and they're very cyclical. And now we are living in the world of the rise of the colonized. <laughs> and people get really weird about it. You know, but like, what were you thinking, you know, a few hundred years ago when you're just taking all the natural resources and running off with everything and leaving everybody for dead? What's going to happen later on down the line? And now it's happening. And I think that's one of the things that fuels a lot of this global nationalism uh, is as well. The, the, the fear of new minds and new ways of, of thinking. Yeah, it's that knee-jerk reaction to like, oh, wait, I thought you'd always, you know, I, I, I thought there was a superior, they have a superiority complex completely. that's right. completely false. Exactly. And at times they're completely unaware of it and they still have it, you know, and that's called paternalism. Big time, big time. I, I do appreciate you talking about the colonized because I, I always point out to people as I'm I'm an amateur, whatever. I'm I'm a history dilettante, but I love history and I've read like history books for fun because that's how the kind of exciting person I am. But I don't think you can actually win a war either. I think no. Given time, right. the people who lived there. We'll eventually run the show again. Like you can, you can come from outside. You can, you know, Russia can invade anyone they want. Twenty to fifty years later, 
it's going to go back in the hands of the people who live there. Like you just, you just can't, you can't occupy, you can't do it. You can't do it. Um, it's always lose, lose. The borders always go back completely to the F, the ethnicities and the languages spoken. Right. Yeah. And you, you can't filibuster it with laws to try to bend the course of history, but we still try. We still do those things and we create a lot of trouble for ourselves. And, you know, when you do examine history and you look back at every single war, every single one was unnecessary. You know, it's and I, I know people say, well, World War Two, that was a justified war, things like that. And I still say no, because if they had, you know, put their foot down with our favorite German leader of all time in the beginning the minute that he farted across the border into Poland, we would have avoided Czech, a lot. Czechoslovakia, right? He first yeah, 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 he, exactly. he's like, just give me a little German-speaking part of there. And that's where it starts. And, and that's how this, these games are played. You know, we're still playing these scenarios out all over the world right now in real time. You know, and th- these are very um, pressing times as it comes to... The lives of human beings, once again, on both sides, you know, this is war is, you know, H-E double hockey stick for all that are involved. And finally, and thankfully, not thankfully, but because of the invention of the smartphone and the camera, because there's cameras everywhere. Right. The incredible harm done to civilians in any act of war, no matter how precise sure. air quotes precise it's just there's no such thing as no. as as no collateral damage there's Completely. the collateral damage yeah. is unbelievable. unbelievable even even if a putin and anyone else like even if they're targeting hospitals now and then the truth is even if they did things the way we think they should be done and sure. you only attack military targets the population suffers so badly completely completely for generations to come you know, emotionally, psychologically, you know, it's trauma. We're traumatizing people. And if people are convinced that the people of that nation all support their leader who chose war. Right. Ask yourself if everything your leaders do in your nation, whether sure. it's the U.S. or Canada right. or Europe, like they're doing stuff we don't agree with all the time. Absolutely. And all of these leaders of war, they either win if there's really winning in war, but you know when they lose, they run away and seek asylum, or they go into a bunker and blow their heads off. <laughs> so it's just the weirdest way of playing the game. You know, it is. It's it's futile. It's futile. It's sure. People used to say it was right the failure of politics, but but it's a failure. Yeah, there's never been a I, I whatever. Look at the United States. We went in and took out Saddam. Right. And look what happened. And now what? I can't even do the math. What is it? 21 years later? Like we kicked him out in 2002? Uh, three. 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 Oh, three. Three. Oh, three. We finally, oh, three. Yeah. finally. It took us two years. I mean, from oh, two, one two years. obviously. See, you know, see my, my, my yeah. proud American memory is like, yeah, uh, you know, 9 11, 2001. And then within six months, he was out. But no, That's a year and a half. A year and a half, yeah. And but, they broadcasted. It was a TV show. Him on a carrier out. And, it was a TV it show. It was a TV show. But that nation is pretty much right back where it would have been. Yeah. Different dictator. Different. Mm. Different governing body. But mm. and you know some of these same abuses 
to their people uh, as, as well. And we fail to realize that and we fail to focus on those things, you know, our sacred women and children <laughs> and decent men, you know, are the ones that are suffering. They all suffer. They all suffer. And we all, this is, I'm revealing my passions was when, when we first went in there, I almost thought we might do it right and just like take him out and hand it to, just say, look, you know, just, but instead uh, I was about to weep for what happened to the Tigris Euphrates River Valley and mm-hmm. all the history there yeah. and all the museums that were looted and mm-hmm. like what was, what was lost there was, was even more than all the lives and all the disruption. We, we lost human history. Right. Sucks. For oil. Like when those, uh, I think it was the motherfucking Turks kept <laughs> munitions on the, Acro- uh, on the Acropolis of Athens. They're yeah. like, oh, they won't bomb this. And then it got hit by like a stray bomb and boom, like thousands of years had to be like put back together because they thought it would be a clever place to hide munitions. Yep. We are systematically or systemically erasing ourselves. Well, yeah, but we're temporary anyway. We're like we're like a blip. <laughs> if, if in the time-space continuum, you are absolutely right. But in the here and now, for all of us with hopes and dreams, that all of us who to, like breathing and living breathing and, and accomplishing things and caring and sharing, it's a rough go of it. It's true. Saying that our lifespans and, and the span of humanity is uh, short is short in in universe time doesn't do anything for those of us who live life one second at a time. Well, well, exactly, because it's all it's all relative, you know, to drag Albert into this, but you know, it's where you are at is what you know. You know, and as Dr. King once said, you know, long life does have its advantages. You know, I I see that point from a guy who passed away at the age of 39 because he was just trying to do the right thing. You know, that's the one that I've never been able to wrap my mind around. I remember being a little kid and learning how to read and discovering that through reading that he was dead. Yeah. Because I had heard about him before I could read. And then once I read about him and I discovered that he was dead, I'm like walking around with adults. Did you see this? Oh, my God. He's dead? You mean there's no parade? I can't go see him? I can't call him up on the phone? Nothing? He's dead? Why? For what? What did he do? You know? And no one came close to filling his shoes. No one, no, no one has. And every, because people are afraid to. People live in fear of filling his shoes um, because they don't want the same result. And that's why you shoot people, is to send a message. It's not they're getting rid of that person. They're getting rid of other people that might follow in their footsteps. You know, the thought of Lincoln having a second term in office during Reconstruction Impossible. The thought of John F. Kennedy having a second term as the country is obviously revolutionizing. The thought of Andrew Jackson not following Lincoln? If Lincoln had a second term? Because then Andrew Jackson came after him and fucked everything up. Well, he's the Trail of Tears guy. Yeah. Too. And the turned Reconstruction on his head. He stole all the money from the South for Reconstruction and he put it in the railroad. $92 million. And he completely uh, effed over everyone who had uh, been made promises. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. And then he was In fact, making... I believe there was a lot of 
black representation in southern government. It, it was, and they got rid of it all. And then he just said, "Okay, fine, you can, you, you can, can, you, you can, can you can bring back slavery." Right. Exactly. And then these this clan thing you got going on. It's okay. I'll look the other way. Nuts. Go ahead, pass a law that says you can walk up to a guy and say, "You were chewing gum wrong. You're in jail." And then once they're in jail. You can now use them as labor. Yeah, or you were chewing gun wrong. We're going to take you out back or we're going to hang you. You know, that didn't become federal legislation and, and be a uh, federal crime until the early 1960s. That's nuts. It is crazy. It's crazy. And it was a crime for uh, our ancestors to have married each other at that time as well. Absolutely. Which, again, you're just a head-scratcher. And you're you would have thought like, a Jew and, you know, what, anyway. So, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. I mean, they, they hated us all. So. Yeah, they really did. And they, we were all bundled uh, together. In a, in a nice, uh, with a bow on top that mm-hmm. said, uh, inferior. Inferior, yeah. You know, all you people that started religion, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you give us too much credit. I'll give that to the Hindus. Not kidding. Uh, okay, I, I, I don't know who to go to for. That's Anyhow. So, hey. I'm going to mention. I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I interrupted myself. But I'm going to mention if cities could dance. Yes. Because a cool thing is we're going to get to do our first ever theatrical Q&A huh. in November. Huh. Right. Like we did a Zoom Q&A, we've done podcasts, mm-hmm. but I believe you'll be there in person at the Sherman Oaks Film Festival in I am November and or December. It's, it's December. Uh, yeah, I bet you are scheduled on December. I think I'm December. Yeah, because yeah. that Friday, the festival starts on the 29th, which is a Wednesday, mm-hmm. Thursday's the 30th, mm-hmm. and then Friday. But yeah, we'll, uh, we're going to watch your film in a block of kick-ass films. Yeah, well, and you're a big fan of the dance as well. I love dance. You do. I have not met someone in a long time that loves dance the way that you do. You know, if you had free time, and my understanding is you don't, I would pull you in to be a guest curator on that dance film festival that I'm a guest curator for every year. And so when is it? They just held it two weeks ago. So um, it'll be next year. Yeah, it'll be I another probably year do that. from now. I, would, I, I love dance. Honestly, so. she just assigns me like... Eight ten films oh, yeah. to review, sure. and sh- and my favorite wins an award. Oh, this unbelievable! I mean, f- the worst thing is like they're all great. That's the thing, and, and that's why I love dance so much because it's so incredibly competitive, you know. And it's one of those art forms that is, I don't know how to say it. Um, Everything is wonderful. Everything is great. Everybody's a winner. Just the mere fact that you you can dance or attempt to dance makes you a winner because you have the courage to get out there and be vulnerable. And, and that's what I think makes dancing so incredibly special. And it can't be contaminated the way singing has become contaminated with... Um, Technology and pomp and circumstance and, and, and what fame, they look like right? and fame, fame and all this other stuff. Dance is dance. Can you dance or not? Yes or no? Get off the stage. And, and there's not too many dancers. Go. No one goes into it thinking I'll be a household name. Like there's no, one. No one. Yeah, Barishnikov, no maybe Gregory Hines. Two household names. Exactly. But that was 
date and time, right? It's a, that, that was the era. That was the era. That was that was the era. But yeah, yeah that is not the case um, anymore. And the window is, is is small, like being a tennis player. You know, you can only be a great tennis player for a certain amount of time, and then you get old in a hurry. Oh, dance is worse for your dance body. Is, oh, it's it's terrible. Yeah, actually, ballet might be child abuse. But that's a, that's, another. that's a whole other thing. But that's like gymnastics. But, it, but it's it worthy, child. <laughs> if you're going to abuse a kid, at least uh, uh, let them, let, hopefully it's something they love. Hopefully the kid is driving it. But sometimes the kid isn't, right. and that's when it's abuse. But, but a da- dance is beautiful. Dance is, you know, so. it, you feel so alive um, when you watch dance, whether you're doing it or you're observing it. And you totally nailed it, because I always think of the grace and beauty of it, but you're right, the vulnerability, too. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Like, it's, it's unbelievable, because everybody's looking at you, you know. And we had last week, or a week and a half ago, I was, because this film festival is based in England, it's the Exeter Dance International Film Festival, EDIF, like it's your, uh, EDIF, like your, like a British accent, like lower class British saying Aunt Edith, mm-hmm. Edith, Edith. But anyway, uh, we had a Zoom mixer so I could talk to some of the dancers and filmmakers and not just me, but other jury members too. And, and it was like, oh my God, I just, I just think you're so amazing. <laughs> it's just great to be able to tell them that what they do is so moving and powerful. Absolutely. Yeah. It's an honor to be there. And, and, and it can be any dance anywhere in the world. It, I don't care what, and it's like, it doesn't matter to me what culture it is, you know, um, European, Asian, African, Indigenous, South American, whatever, all, dance is all beautiful. There's Indian in India, there. dance is, is religious. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 People do dances to represent mm-hmm. the creation of earth mm-hmm. and death and everything. Everything, everything is yeah, dance. Everything is dance. You know, in Africa, it's a celebration of life as, as well. You know, it's, it's phenomenal. You know, I've seen, you know, people in villages and or people like, you know, north of 70 years old, they can still dance. That's awesome. It is. It is. It's great for the mind and body. Oh, it is. It's everything. Absolutely. You know, and that's why so many people that are older, they get into those dance classes and things like that. And it revitalizes them and things like that. It's 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 really good for the for the soul. And it's very humbling. Um, is as well, and it's very connective to communities, and it does away with these um, racial and cultural boundaries as well, you know. And that's the thing that I love about it the most too. When you see people of different backgrounds, I went and I saw this woman who has a uh, dance troupe in uh, Nashville, Tennessee. She's an African American woman, and she does uh, West African dances, but. The people that are in the classes that do a lot of the performances are not all African-American. And to watch people of other cultures dance like West Africans, you go to a whole nother level. Because movement is a part of it as well. And there are certain types of moves that are very African. And then when you see someone who is not African doing it, it, you know, it takes your breath away. It, it sweeps your heart into a whole nother place. And you say, oh, my God, we are all really connected, you know, and that's um, and that's amazing. Um, 
And even for me as a filmmaker, I've gotten into a space, I'm flirting with the idea of using dance as a form of expression in some of my thoughts, feelings, and ideas about culture and society um, as well, because, you know, I think inherently many people are stupid. And I'm trying to find other vehicles to convey my thoughts, feelings, and ideas, because at times they will tune you out. If you sit there on camera and you start talking about you know, particular social and cultural issues and stuff like that. And so I'm trying to figure out other tricks of the trade, which you already know you've seen and you've awarded me for it. But I'm continuing down that path. What are other ways I can keep people's attention in order to be able to to, um, present them with some new ideas and concepts uh, as, as well? And dance is definitively one of them, you know. I'm sure there's a dance troupe somewhere um, in the midst of all of these conflicts all over the world that could really teach us a few things as well. Teach? I mean, I we always talk about how you are secretly an educator. Deep down, deep in your heart, there, there's an educator inside you. You're a creative person and, and a business person. You're many facets. But when you're talking about utilizing dance to help educate, you're, you are looking for other ways to get a message through in a way people will accept. You're literally that nursery school teacher trying to get this these rowdy kids to pay attention. Oh, my God. It, I have so much respect for educators. I don't know how they, they do it. Their level of patience is incredible. My grandmother was an educator in Chicago on the south side for, gosh, uh, north of four decades. And that's an incredible um, give back <laughs> that not many people are um, capable of. But I I get it. And and I think we are in the uh, life lesson era of the visual artist. I think there is no other path but that. Like, I ask that of all of the visual artists that I come in contact with and the ones that I'm influencing and teaching and mentoring as well. What is the message here? What are you trying to say? Are you doing something to lift up humanity? If this is just an exercise in in distraction or your own personal fetishes, uh, move along. That's not what we're about. That's not what this era is. I, I think that we are all right now as artists obligated to help solve some of these problems that are out there. No one has time for all of the other, you know, distracting types of stuff. I mean, the Kardashian era is over. You know, and you can feel a lot of these things starting to to crash land. I mean, people just don't, it doesn't have the weight or the gravity that it once did. I realize right now we care a lot about, you know, um, Taylor Swift and her new football boyfriend. And they, they spend a lot of time throwing that at you with breaking news, you know. Um, but it's not going to last. I mean, it's it, and not, the relationship could last. That's fine. But our fixation with the relationship, it's not relevant to anything. You know, now if they were feeding the hungry and doing this at the same time, they would get more of my attention. But they're not. They're going to football games on Sunday and sitting in a skybox that none of us can there's, afford. There's sky. She's hanging with the owner. She's hanging with the owner. Exactly. You know, and good for her. I'm really happy for her. That's really great. But you know, they need to go do something for somebody else. That's my position. You know, there is too much um, wealth at the top end that's doing. Nothing, and we all know they're not paying enough taxes. So that's for sure. My understanding is, I guess, 
and I certainly am not too hip to it, but I think she does do some quality messaging, right, with her tour and, and particularly does. for I'm young totally, women. I'm not totally she's, Yeah, she's not totally vapid, but the relationship thing is it's is kind it of embarrassing it, 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 that it, like it, it should be embarrassing and because it's like a, like like one one rumor of who she's dating and all of a sudden people are buying his nfl jersey and it's, it's insane. like it's absolutely it's absolutely crazy and it's absolutely insane and the media fixates on it and they don't um focus on some of the other things that she does and i think sometimes it would be important for her to push some of those other things in front of people to get that message out there. She can't wait around for the media to do it because they're probably never going to do it because they think they can't sell ad time with it. Yeah. And in fact, has she gone? I don't know. She she certainly, if she went on, on whatever news channel or entertainment, it's funny, I'm so old that I think of entertainment that, tonight. That, that was dusty and old. That, that very was, dusty and really old. Was, but but she could go on her Instagram or whatever. She can go on the TikTok yeah. and say... Why do you care who I date? You should care about this. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, she might do that at her shows. I don't know. Probably not. It's all choreographed. Uh, You know, hopefully she does something. I mean, it's funny because I did not go see the Barbie movie. You you still haven't seen it? They did not How are you surviving in this society and you haven't seen it? Well, thankfully, no one talks to me, so I'm fine. That's a good point. That's an excellent. No, no one expects me to have seen the Barbie movie. So you get to slip through the cracks. I can't. I've seen it, and I and my life was miserable until I did. People confronted me. Why haven't you seen? So you had to see it. It was like pulling a thorn out of your foot. I couldn't move forward with my life until I saw it. People made that really clear to me. I needed to go see this movie, and I had to go see it, and I had to go see it at a movie theater. And did did was there a value? Absolutely. Yeah. Without question. it's a tear in the universe. It's a, it's a window of opportunity. It's the greatest money-making film of all time for a uh, writer-director that is female. That means something as well. Um, and it had a message in it. And it used the capsule of commercialized Hollywood and you know, corporate marketing to do it, you know, Barbie is one of the most significant, iconic brands of the latter half of the 20th century. There's no question about that. It's a rite of passage brand. So it was a really good way to, once again, get a message across. So she's shown, Greta Gerwig, that we can get to people We just have to put it in the right package. And that's exactly what she did. The trick is, can we rinse and repeat this? Can we do this with something else? Can we resurrect G.I. Joe and do it again and talk about war? I don't know. Maybe. But, you know, there are other um, interesting um, rite of passage brands that are out there that could be um, carriers or couriers of messages that are positive for all. So that... That does interest me. And and that's where I sort of land uh, with that film. And so I wish it continued success. And I um, feel elated for the success of Greta Gerwig. But now I'm concerned for her moving forward because how does she replicate that? Because all of those suits, you know, all of those cocaine snorting Execs are going to say, "Do it again, Greta. We need it. We need another hit." No, no matter then, what, yeah. no matter what, she'll be told her follow up failed. No matter what, yeah, she's because it, it can't make the to, same. She amount has of money. to stand strong, and and she's got to be able to continue to move on and move past it. 
you know, and I hope that is the case. And the hardest thing to be in Hollywood is successful. I do know that. I have been in this, and you know that too. You've been in this business long enough. You know, that is where the bleep show is, is when you're successful. Although at least the assholes in the suits you're referring to. Yes. uh, Next time a creative says to them, we can slip a message in here and not affect the commercial aspects. Yeah. They'll be able to point at Barbie and go, see? You, you, you don't exactly. have to be afraid of a message. Exactly. And because you, this, the movie did just fine in the red states where, where women don't have rights. Like, like the states that, you know, jumped on the Roe v. Wade reversal. Mm-hmm. They still went to see Barbie. Absolutely. Right. So, yeah. So, at least messaging right. got, uh, didn't get, because can you imagine if that film had failed because of the message in those markets? Then then they they'd be like, we can never do it again. Exactly. It, and it, that would be the case as well. And you identified something that is very important. There are women in certain states in America who have less rights than in other places in America. And those places where their rights have been reduced, people defend that. They think that that is proper. That is the way we should move forward as a nation. The states' rights thing that used to yeah. be used to be code for racism. Now well, it's code yeah, for it was, it was code for, for like these Jews can't settle in Missouri. You know, it was code for this escaped slave that came into Ohio. We're taking him back to Mississippi. That's states' rights. That is insane. And beneath us as a nation as is, is well. And, you know, those are the kinds of things you want to push back against. And that's what the Barbie film does. And eventually someone will wrestle you to the ground and pry your eyelids open and force you to see it. Well, I'm aware. I believe it came from the Time Warner conglomerate. So that means it'll end up on Max, formerly Listen, HBO Max. So I plan to watch like, it there. Quietly by yourself. I will. Uh, no, I'll watch it with the kid and the. Well, the kid saw it. You should watch it with someone. You she should saw, not watch it. By the way, not to, not to bum me out, but the girl who turned sixteen yesterday. Yes. Yesterday was her sixteenth birthday. Remember that? No, you don't. I, my sixteenth? You don't remember? I had to. I had to go to school that day. I got up. <laughs> I got up early. Went to the DMV. Got my driver's license, <laughs> and then drove to school. Very exciting day. <laughs> Although, oh, I have a memory from that day. Really. Corey Gordon, if you're out there, a cheerleader came up and kissed me on the cheek and wished me happy birthday. And I was so dumb, I didn't even ask her out after that. I, I, just, I just assumed she was being nice. Can we travel back in time to that moment and then call you dumb and then immediately leave? Yeah. Why not? Why not? If I had a time machine, <laughs> that would be, be awesome. number one. Calling, calling, calling 16-year-old Jeff dumb. These two weird old guys come up to your 16-year-old self and tell him that he's an idiot. Just want you leave. to know that... Uh, you know, it might be possible that people could like you. Don't 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 think you have to exactly. whatever. Just just that's my own personal <laughs> foible. That uh, hey, I'm okay with it. I needed to grow up. There you go. And that's I needed the to point. Mature. And that's the point of the story that we all must go on our journeys, and we must be allowed to go on our journeys. And we have all of these a holes in our society that are changing and bending all the rules, so we can't go on our own personal journeys. That's why we can't stop people from being gay. We can't stop people from being transgendered. We can't stop people from being who the hell they really are versus we, we insist that they code switch and act like them. That's crazy. 
It really is. It's funny. I've, I mean, obviously, I try to live in a bubble, so I don't know anyone who wants to be able to tell other people, no, you must live my way. I live in Georgia, dude. You live in Georgia, so you yeah. deal with it. All day, every day. That is how it goes down. It's crazy. Although I will say that my uh, super liberal uncle was over here for right. uh, a barbecue with his mm-hmm. grandkids and right. and uh, and his super liberal wife, who's lovely. I love my aunt and uncle, mm-hmm. but uh, they're probably late seventies, early eighties. Right. And uh, he looked at my painted ton- toenails and went, "What are you, a girl?" And I said, "I don't have to be gender normative." And his wife went, yeah, what are you talking about? This is what we see on, on the news all the time. And you're like, here you are taking the other side. And he was like, oh, I thought I was just making fun of my nephew for having painted toenails. But yeah, it's uh slippery slope. Slippery slope, right? Absolutely. The guy who's never voted Republican in his life is making fun of my toenails. Exactly. You got to tell him, watch it, and have and, and being like, you know, that's not, you're not being gender normative. And I'm like, I don't need to be. Exactly. We're on the same team. We're wearing the same jersey. I'm like, I'd be wearing a skirt if I owned one, but I can't find one my size. It looks pretty. That's true. You are big. I, I want to, I just think skirts make more sense for men. Well, they're called kilts. I know. But those are just itchy. Oh, nice I don't like those. I don't hate the material in a kilt. I want something made out of like you know t-shirt it's material. Hundred percent cotton. I don't know. Anyway, but that's gonna, me. It's, that's going to wrinkle. Me. You realize that? What are you going to do? You're going to steam clean it? <laughs> By the way, is Atlanta? Is Atlanta that? Uh, Atlanta's. Is it well? Atlanta is a blue island, right? Surrounded by red, or or but you deal with a lot Here's of the, the deal with Atlanta and Georgia. It's a blue state because there are more black people in Georgia than any other place in the country, but they turned it into South Africa and keep black people from voting. So it's not really a red state. It's a blue state. And that's the problem. And that's the issue. My grandmother lived in Georgia her whole life, was afraid to vote for fear of being killed or beaten or dragged or what jailed or whatever the hell they would do tar and feather you you know they create a discourse in Georgia of fear for people of color to vote and that is changing and they created a narrative i remember hearing that narrative growing up even here in california sure. growing up and hearing oh well uh the mexicans they don't want to vote and that's what the, they the, say they're, in Georgia they're, they're, about they the always, Yeah, Absolutely. they always say blacks have low turnout. Exactly. They're, they're, they're unenthusiastic about politics. Yeah. No, it was fear tactics. It's fear tactics. Poll taxes and everything. Completely. And, and having, I mean, we all, we all, right. <laughs> we saw how democracy worked when, uh, when one community has one polling station for 10,000 people and another has, you know, one for every hundred people. It's... Yeah. It's uh, not an even playing field. Yeah. Warnock and Walker was so close. And you're the one that made the joke the last time I was here that Walker should now run against Ossoff. You made that joke. I've spent months sharing that with people as much as I can. I don't use you by name because I don't want people to hunt you down. Understood. Right. Because they wouldn't know. If you know the person, then it's okay for the, the joke. Yeah. 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 There's that. But I have more friends in California and Los Angeles than I do in Atlanta and Georgia. And that's sad. And I realize that when I come back out here and I go down my list of, oh, I need to contact this person, this person, I need to call Jeff. And that, that list is long. And then when I go back to Atlanta, who am I going to go have dinner with? Ugh, my list kind of short. Wow. 
wow, that's crazy. I got more friends in California than I do in Georgia, and I live in Georgia and have a business in Georgia. And a business that leans into the community helping people. Into the community, yeah. With, right. with And with staff and all, everything. Right. Exactly. Maybe you, you, maybe it's because you, you're working so hard when you're there that the free time isn't there to build up the social contacts. And when you're out here, you're like in a great mood. You're like, yeah, I'm going to have fun. Maybe that's it. Maybe you can. I'll accept that as an answer. We get fun Frederick out here. You do. You actually do get fun Frederick. Um, there it's. Well, I've been to a restaurant with you and I can, I can guarantee you are fun. That is true. There you go. There, there, there you go. I am up for some nonsense and shit. With some fun friends. Exactly. And I will bring some really weird people with me as <laughs> well. What's a trip and I'm evening. sitting here going, I hope Jeff is not judging me for these weird people. I, I would with. certainly not. I know. I, that, that was our relationship went to a whole nother level in that moment. I was like, wow, this, this guy's a good guy. There were a lot of dimensions to that evening. Oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. Good we don't have to go we're into it. Yeah. Did we talk after that or before? I think we might have recorded afterwards. We I did, think we might have recorded we, the we, next day. We did. We, actually, we were still we both did. recovering we from, no one from what your, your, your lovely friends, uh, yeah. well-intentioned but poorly guided. Ability to communicate. Ability to, yeah, exercise her, her needs to be heard. I don't know. She's lovely. She tried. Well-intentioned is often a backwards compliment. <laughs> It is. Because it's not a compliment at all. It means your intentions were there. Mm -hmm. Your execution Mm -hmm. sucked. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? I mean, some people are very, like, you know, tethered and bottled up in their emotions and their feelings, and they just don't know how to get out of their own way. And that's just who they are, you know? Um, But And I find those kinds of people to be victims of distraction. They are so caught up in so many other things that they don't, Know thyself. And I think that's the case with this particular person who I like, who I enjoy. I love having them around and I accept them for them. But they'll be in that same spot a year from now, two years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now. You know? Self-awareness is is the best. Man, it's so nice to be around self-awareness. It's it's, it's phenomenal. It's, It's incredible. You know? Dare I say it? Awake, you know, conscious, you know. Yeah, I mean, well, I, 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 I'm not going to let myself use the names of famous people whose self-awareness is so low and so obviously low. Mm-hmm. But actually, it's funny because you brought up the Kardashians and I kind of get the vibe that they're, they got just enough self-awareness to know that they've got to rebrand a little and... Sure. And start to but the accounting maybe department not be might have so walked empty. in and said, "Listen, you've got to do this." That might be their mode of awareness. They might be the most aware people in that ecosystem. If we want to keep selling counter. makeup to little kids, exactly, we've it, also got to take uh, take a stand on something. Absolutely, without without question. So, but apparently, Kim's performance in. Uh, this uh, season's episode of American Horror Story is quite good. They make everyone look good on that show. I think so, too. It's unbelievable. They could make hand puppets look good on that show. Everybody walks into that show, and everybody looks like they're a genius. I don't know how it happens, but it's a, it's a, it's a brilliant platform of entertainment. It just works. Yeah, I haven't it watched works. it since the hotel one with Lady Gaga, but, right. man, she was outstanding on that, too. 
they're all outstanding and I'm I'm happy for them. That's that's great. You know, it makes me interested to see who's next, you know, and that show will probably hang around forever. Yeah, because horror, you can't, you, American, you don't go broke with horror. American horror. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty damn good branding. You can't the lose, title, The man. title sold it alone. It's, it's, totally. Totally. Like they had this whole pitch set up, like we're gonna use the same cast every season, but make everything different. It'll be like a repertory, blah blah. blah. And the person was like, "No, I could sell American Horror Story. I could just sell that name." That's it. That's that name sells. Yep. Yeah, you couldn't sell a show American Nice People. That's not gonna work. No, American Motherfucker. You could. You just have to put like a an MF. you know a asterisk MF. for the O and the E. Boom. We're done. We're there. Some we could sell that. We could we could get up from these mics right now, get in the car, drive over to the Paramount lot, pitch it, and we might get a deal. That's how pathetic this industry is. That's insane. All right. American motherfuckers? Dude. American motherfuckers. That even rolls off the tongue. It really does. I can see the branding now. And it's time. You know? It's time. There are no TV networks left, so we can curse all we want on these streaming Do whatever platforms. you want. Do whatever you want. Beautiful. Know. Beautiful. People do it. They have a nice message, too. If we had a celebrity attached to it, done. Done and done. Well, not that, but if if I had celebrities in my contact list, if I said, hey, you interested in being uh, on American Motherfuckers? Who's going to say no? That's an awesome pitch, dude. It really is. American Motherfuckers. And we don't even have it, but we just have a title. We just have a title. It's all we got is a title. It's all you need. It's all you need. All you need is a title. Yeah. These days, nobody reads a script. American motherfuckers. We need to trademark that. Write that down. <laughs> <laughs> I'll text. I'll text it for me to you, and we'll we'll be like, all right. Well, that's. It could just be the next uh, another series from Tomorrow Pictures TV. There you go. I would premiere American motherfuckers on uh, your um, TV on high. TV high. high? Yeah. Unwatchtvhard.com? No, but yeah, for real. That actually is really... It is, it is that fun. Is, that is fun. That is actually pretty I will. Maybe we, maybe we will. That would, be, that, would be, that would be crazy if like a year from now, like it was actually sort of watchable and you could be like, yeah, if you, we could talk about, yeah, so let's talk about the first two seasons of American Motherfuckers. It could be a docu-series. Mm-hmm. It could be. It could be something completely different. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Or it could be a um, docudrama, and you can have both elements in it. Drama. Yeah. I like it. I like it. All right, so what else What else are you working on these days? Wow. You have, I know it's, uh, do you have a top three? Are there Are there three things that you've got in your back pocket at AFM when someone goes, so what's, what's going on with your production company? You'd be like, well. Well, I'll say this much. Um, the thing that I am most uh, excited about right now is um, a couple of scripts that I'm developing. Another script that I've actually finished that is now circulating in festivals that I'm excited about. And, um, you know, my films that continue to um, have gravity. Um, I've been really impressed with the work I've done over the past several years because it continues to circulate in festivals, which is kind of cool. So it keeps me in the marketing phase a lot, which sometimes takes away from development. 
But um, I'm working on another documentary called Hope and Story, which focuses on a lot of the issues and things that are going on now. So much has evolved over the past several years, even since pre-existing freedom as, as well. Um, and I'm trying to, as a documentary filmmaker, um, keep up uh, as, as well. And, um, and then we have another project that is about Alfred Hitchcock as, as well. Um, I really believe that Alfred Hitchcock is probably the most influential um, filmmaker in Hollywood history, and he's foundational for anyone that is successful these days in Hollywood. And I would really like to be able to develop an interesting um, limited series about that Um, and how he also has influenced a lot of filmmakers in a lot of um, communities of color and marginalized communities as well is, is sort of a, um, once again, a foundation for them developing their own uh, cinematic universes and things like that as, as well. So I really love that particular piece. And honestly, the big thing, the home run ball, dude, I got to go make a scripted film. I want to do something that's down and dirty, that's indie, that has teeth in it, that is relevant to our times, you know. That's got a slamming soundtrack as well, and possibly a dance sequence in it. Um, but I want to do that. Like that—that's where I. But yeah, you go. want you want to get into right. something it, more it, narrative, something more exactly because the, the documentary stuff I love it and it's great, and I'll continue to do it. But I'm also getting to the point now where I'm being hired to do it. I'm doing another documentary right now about the um, migration of the Burmese people from Myanmar to Atlanta, and being we're being you know financed to do it through an organization, and that's great. And I'm getting more and more opportunities to tell stories about marginalized people through other organizations that are assisting and helping. And the other thing that I've been really excited about, I've started doing a lot more speaking. And so I've started a nonprofit and it's called the Jones Foundation. And it's Jones hashtag foundation.org. And um, it is built on principle of the values of my grandmother and my grandmother's son, Gerald, who was my mother's brother. Uh, Gerald was LGBTQ. My grandmother, as I had mentioned earlier in this podcast, was a teacher on the south side of Chicago for a very long time. I did something recently that just blew me away. I was invited to speak at a major tech company for a half an hour and talk about cultural unity and the challenges of being one's self. And apparently I moved everyone. And as payment, they said, hey, we would love to contribute to your favorite charity. And I said, well, I have this foundation that I've started and contribute there. So um, one day, uh, my business partner and my most favorite person in the world, Ellen, um, I went to her and I said, hey, check the account. Um, I think that they put some money in it or donated to it. And she came into my office, her eyes looked like golf balls, and she said, there's $5,000 in it. I was like, oh, I said, I talked for half an hour. She's like, yeah, they see the value in what you have to say. And I'm starting to see that with a lot of people that ask me to speak. And so these things that we talk about that are second nature to us are applicable in society at large. And so that's kind of my new documentary work. And so it's freeing me up to go be even more radical with my documentary filmmaking, the stuff that I do, like the pre-existing freedom stuff, which just, it has more gravity now than it did when I first started it, which is incredible. And 
it's allowing me to say, okay, take that sensibility into scripted and see where I end up and where I land. So I'm in this very interesting experimental space that's really exciting. Um, The only problem with all of this, all of the motivation falls back on me. Like I have to get out of bed every day and make this happen. And you have to be aware that you have about 14 to 16 waking hours during which you must eat. And, uh, yeah, every day it must be a challenge what to prioritize. Completely. It's overwhelming. And I'm really trying to figure out a way to make all of these things work. Um, there is a script that I want to write and, um, I have it all lined up and outlined and I just need to focus on it, but it's called stand your ground and it's all about gun, gun rights, gun control, stuff like that. And it's about a, uh, a white man who's a conservative who shoots and kills a black kid because he knocks on his front door and the kid knocks on the wrong door and he shoots him. So it's based on a real life event, but it yeah, like really, selling candy and exactly. So it, it focuses on the rippling effect of that, how it affects this kid's community and how it affected this other guy, and how these paths meet up later as a way of you know reconciliation as well. Can we reconcile between these cultural groups? Can the people that hate your culture reconcile with you? Can you reconcile with them? And for my culture, the same. I'm fascinated with that now. Can we get to the table and talk this thing out? You know, it feels like we can't, but I think that's what makes filmmaking so amazing is that fantasy is a big part of storytelling. So I've been fantasizing about people being able to um, come to some sort of understanding and agreement about their issues that people have with each other. And at times, ironically, themselves. And so that's where this film really goes. This guy, because I think anybody that shoots anybody that knocks on the wrong door, that person who shot that person has a problem. There's something going on with that person in their life. And so it really, I've started to explore the conservative white mind, the conservative white Christian so-called heteronormative mind, the oppressor. I have become fixated with it. The guy that ran the plantation. Yeah, the, the oppressor who's convinced themselves right. they are now oppressed. Exactly. And, and I want to know, I want to figure this out. Like I, I want to, uh, you know, untangle this knot. Or figure out what is the equation to this? What is this about? Um, God, I I almost want you to do, I want you to make that film. Right. And I want a documentary as well, backing it up with interviews with people who have done that. Because deep down, I think taking taking another life, I mean, I'd like to think that they're human beings enough that after the fact, they start, they're just nightmares and living with regret and and they can't believe what what they were driven to do by whatever messaging got right. into their brain that made them think that they were under threat because a kid knocked on their door to sell candy for his school. Unbelievable. Just beyond anything that I could possibly um, imagine as well. And I want to be able to jump inside somebody's head the same way people say things about Jewish people. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> you know, and I want to get inside their heads and I want to figure this out. And so writing a script and making a film, you can do that. And we as, you know, people of the um, Fertile Crescent, we don't spend enough time really investigating and looking at 
a lot of these colonialists and why they do what they do and why they think the way that we do. We keep obsessing about our plight, our saga, our journey. You know, we must remember this and this and this and this and this, and we should. And I think that's important. But we also need to spend a little bit more time really examining them and trying to figure them out as well, because they're not doing it on their own. They keep sidestepping themselves over and over and over again, generation after generation after generation. So I, it's, it's incumbent upon us to help them get through this. It's true, because if, if those of us who are awake just see them as lost, evil, clueless, right. well, then we're actually being as prejudiced as they are I in a so. way, I, which, yeah. which that's the two-sidedism that gets lots of people angry at times. Sure. But, but it is true that... I mean, there is that famous gentleman, I believe he was a musician, yeah, a, a black musician, the guy who collects the Klan robes of, because yeah. he would play, the, This American Life did the thing on him. Mm-hmm. And I still can't believe there's not a film based on his life. I hope they, someone from Hollywood heard that and wants to make a Me film too. based on his life. They're afraid of the truth. They don't like the truth stuff, which the truth stuff is super powerful and super interesting, and it will put asses in seats in theaters. There's no question about it. But they just don't want to do it the same way they're afraid of, like, signing a band that plays meaningful music. You know, I don't understand where this industry is right now. And I've reached a stage in my life where I don't care and I'm not afraid of them anymore. And I stand up to them. I just was on a project um, currently that's an independent film that I'm, I have the pleasure of helping to produce. And I had to do something that was unthinkable, throw a celebrity under the bus. Um, there that, was would, a, that would have not been in your playbook before. No, never. Never. Um, you know, the celebrity was attached to it, but the celebrity was kind of, you know, the typical thing. They're kind of like dragging their feet and they're just like leaning around by the nose and they don't really care. They're never going to do it. And then finally I just said, listen, this person's got to go. We don't need them. You know, and I felt good about it. And this is a known big time celebrity person. And um, right, someone and who could have made a huge difference could, could, had could they made a signed huge on. Difference as, as well, and I'm African American, and this other celebrity is African American, and it's like African American on African American crime as well. So I'm, I got two felonies going at the same time, and again, I don't care. You know, no, those don't get prosecuted, by the way. Exactly, that kind of crime doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't get prosecuted. You can squeak <laughs> by on that. <laughs> There's it, no, yeah. Who cares? Exactly. I'm interested in doing some things that are meaningful, and this script is really great. You know, it's it, it's about um, something from culture, and you know the challenges we have in society as it um, pertains to race and things like that as well. And I want this thing to get done. And I'm like, we don't need this person. Okay, yeah, you know, if we had this person, we could get $5 million to make this film. But you know something? Bleep them. Let's do it for one. And we'll get it done and it'll still be great. We don't need them. The script, the story is the star. Let's just go for it. It's mm-hmm. silly to be afraid of these things, thinking that we always have to be in the system to get it done. I watched a documentary recently about Jack Warner, who was Jewish. And he was amazing. You know what I mean? The, the, what he did where he came, you know, the story, you know, of, of where he started based on where he finished. Phenomenal, you know, and saw something that he th- thought was important, saw technology coming down the path and the ability to tell a story. And he went out and he and he did it, you know, and he made some tough decisions. I mean, he produced the jazz singer with Al Jolson. That was a tough one. You know, he did it. 
And that was that was hard to to watch because it was the exploitation of African-Americans before decades before they were even allowed to participate in the film industry. But they were using their likeness to sell tickets. You know, this is a very complex business that we are in. And you're either going to get in there and play the game or you're going to say, I'm not playing the game and I'm going to do it my way. And I'm just ready to, like, you know, be a loose cannon. And I'm far more comfortable that way because it's a people like you and your festival that saw something in pre-existing freedom. They are out there. You just got to get out there. And that's the thing. And that's the motivating thing. I got to, like, continue to motivate myself to push and go and go and push when I want to just, like, you know, go to the Beverly Hills Hotel and sit by the pool with my feet up and pretend that I'm Elizabeth Taylor. But um, that does sound good. It does sound lovely, doesn't Some, it? it sounds amazing. Someone bringing yeah. you know yeah. shrimp, yeah. bring bring a exactly. plate of shrimp. Yeah, you know, I enjoy spending somebody else's money a lot, but um, until that happens, you know, I need to um, stay focused, nose to the grindstone, as they say. You and know. I mean, I'm no genius for saying it, but like the, as you said, people think you have to play the game. I mean, the game is kind of broken anyway. Completely like, broken. Like the Shattered. five mil, the five million dollar budget with the name person. Name people don't sell things anymore they like don't. they used they to. Used it to, they used don't. to matter. matter, not anymore. Who sells? Who can sell right now? That you would like, you know, roll out of bed, you attach them to your film, and it's going to sell tickets. Honestly, even the great Thomas Cruise. If he's not in the right thing, if he's it's right not, Nick, yeah. yeah, if it's got whatever name, uh, if it's Top Gun, everyone goes to see it. The Mission Impossible thing didn't do nearly as well, right? And I was shocked. Yeah. I was I was surprised. It, because it's not about him. Right. And then Barbie beat them all. Yeah. Go figure. Because people wanted something different. Absolutely. And, and we, Top Gun was something different because he hadn't done that since I was in high school. So that's 40 freaking years, years ago. Yeah. Almost 40. I'm not that old. 37 no. years ago. Yes. 37 years. But yeah, so yeah, people were hungry for a Top Gun sequel. No one needed Mission Impossible 17. No. I guess it probably made its money back, but it wasn't the, the no, sensation. No, but it, it didn't, you know, it wasn't a money maker. No, Barbie was back. a sensation. Barbie made its money back and then some and will continue to make money forever. It is a rite of passage film. Not since Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Is there a film that every kid sees? Clueless would be possibly another one. You know, Mean yeah. Girls. There's like certain films. Hey, you can't be a kid in America until you see this. Yeah, because that the is touchstone. in that pantheon now. Yeah, I have a friend who works at Mattel. I won't say what department. Well, legal department, mm-hmm. but a lawyer who works at Mattel who said. Oh, my God, they just didn't see it coming. They didn't see the success coming, so they didn't merchandise enough for it. They're idiots. I'm so... Like, they needed... That's my Apparently, like, she has anxiety issues, wonderful person, and said that uh, there's an anxiety Barbie in the film. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I would have bought that Barbie. But they didn't even... They didn't even... They they weren't ready. They should have... Anxiety Barbie should have been on the shelves. You know, there should have been representation for young girls with anxiety to say, there is, I'm represented now. Yeah, I don't, I just don't understand this business. I don't get it anymore. And these like salty, farty guys at the top that I no longer fear and don't care what they're doing. And they're inappropriately dating people that are my age and younger. I see you. (laughs) 
I don't care what they think anymore. I don't care. I don't want their I don't want their advice. I don't want their mentorship. I don't want their tainted wisdom. They are bricks. They will sink you if you listen to them. You have got to trust your gut and your own instincts. If you trust your instincts, you'll never be wrong. And no is the most powerful word in the universe. You got to tell these people no, or they will ruin you and ruin your career. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. They are just literally flying blind. They haven't been this blind since before the days of the rise of black music being produced by Jews in this business. When everybody dismissed that, oh, that's just race music. That's not going to be anything. You can't sell that stuff. That's where they are. That is where they are. And they're pathetic. And I have just no interest in them whatsoever. I'm like, what are they going to do to me? I'm a sustainable filmmaker on my own. I make money, you know, making films and videos for clients. And then I make money and I do really good in making my films on my own. So blow me. I don't care. You know, this idea of constantly trying to be in the system and making everybody else happy. And, hey, Disney's going to sign me to a 10-year deal and all this other crap. It's crap. It's crap, and, it's, and it is officially over. It's officially, it's officially that era over. is officially it's, over. It's, it's, there are no five yeah. picture deals. No, exactly. Uh, you know, whatever. Adam Sandler got a big deal, but but but, but look what he makes. It doesn't happen to anybody exactly. And no yeah. one up and coming. No, that's that's yeah. No. No. It's it's that era. Yeah, and it's, it's and over. to create a system where you can independently keep moving forward no matter what. Exactly, that's the key. Exactly, and you have so many other foreign markets now. There's so many other platforms that are out there now, you know, and more and more people are coming online every day. And like we said, there is a lot of people under 30 in Africa. They I all heard, love media. I heard the coolest thing on a podcast. I think it was on Sam Harris's podcast. And sometimes he's good, sometimes he's bad. But the person he had on pointed out that the cell phone is the most democratic thing of all time now because the yes. smartphone right. is the first time in history that... The underclass and the upper class mm-hmm. have the same tech. Yep. The upper class always had technology that yep. the lower class exactly. couldn't touch. Yep. And in Los Angeles, if we jumped on on the metro bus, they all got people it. who don't own cars have the same smartphone I've got. People that don't not that I'm upper class, it, but whatever. Exactly. <laughs> people that, that don't have a computer are still watching TV shows. And you they know? have access to something that can project itself in every country on earth i got cousins on the south side of chicago who are just hood as hell who have phones and don't have uh phone uh subscriptions to things and they just wait until they can get wi-fi and then they make it then they'll call you yeah when i can get to wi-fi i'll call and they live in that space and they're surviving fine because there's always wi-fi somewhere you can jack it and be able to like get on the phone. And they have the same phone as Bill Gates. Yep. Exactly. Same phone as a billionaire. Billionaires exactly. didn't have any of it. I mean, sometimes nope. they do the diamond encrusted smartphone, you know, or the, I guess your iPhone case has diamonds on it. Well, that's lovely. I mean, it's, it's well worth it, I think, as long as they're lab grown diamonds. <laughs> as long as they're lab grown diamonds. But I thought that was such an interesting point that like this is one of the more egalitarian tech moments we're living in sure. because it's accessible, even though they're stupid expensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But back to Jack Warner. Yeah. Exactly. He was the one that said, hey, this this projection thing 
is something that you can he took it to the masses. He just started like doing these little film parties in western Pennsylvania and then said, "Hey, we're going west." And they he did it more and more and more and made it grow and grow and grow cuz it was tech that came down to the level of the regular person and that is the portal that you run through is when it gets to the people. Right. He knew he could take a building with 200 seats in it, charge two cents a seat or whatever it was at the time. Exactly. And that people would go. go. People would go. Just like with black music. Guess what, people? The white kids are dancing to it. That's it. You know? End of story. And then Jewish people were the first to market to say, hey, we're going to write songs in that space for these guys. You know? Hey, you know, I've got a music studio. We can bring them in here and we can record them. We're going to make a killing because these white kids love this music. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't have to have the face of Elvis on it. It doesn't have to. It's just got to have a beat and you can dance to it. And guess what? We can do that. And the rest is history. And why these execs now don't remember history is beyond me. They're supposed to be intellectuals. They've gone to college. They're supposed to be well-read, well-traveled or whatever. You know, but they're too busy hanging out with their inappropriately younger second, third, fourth wife who comes from another country. <laughs> you know, it's like that's their deal. That's what they're focused on. And they are wasting away on the top end. 60 something, 70 something guy. And this, they're clowns. They're clowns. I don't meet anybody in this town that is north of 50 that is worth my time. They're bozos. They're crazy. And they will pollute your mind with trash. Hey, you're embodying the Ralph Nader thing, although you at least you upped it to 50, but don't trust anyone over 50. Except me. I'm I trust you, but you're, you, but you're an exception to the rule as, you, you, as, as well. You are, you are an anomaly in comparison to a lot of these other people that fart around down here. You know, but you, it came honest with you. You were grinding it out in Sundance, 25 years ago, and here you are now. Those execs were blowing people <laughs> behind doors and giving hand jobs, you know, at New Line Cinema 25 years ago. That's their deal, you know, and see where they are now. Now they don't know their ass from a hole in the ground. Oh my God. There was, I could name a time when I was sitting in a late night cafe. I might have been after a film festival hanging out and with a couple of. Hollywood people who are certainly more connected than I was. Right. And one of them actually like threw out that, like, maybe I should make that guy blow me to, to sign him. Exactly. That's and, 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 and like the darkness of it, I was Ugh. like, <sighs> are you joking? Or is this, or is this like, or is it just, you're just here to dominate others? That's all it, it was, is. It was, yeah, it's small people the, needing, yeah. feeling the need to dominate. That's all they do. But, we kind of, I mean, we're not, we're never going to be done with it, but at least uh, sunlight's the best disinfectant. And we shine sunlight on a lot of the abuse in the last five years. Mm-hmm. I mean, Me Too was valuable. And, it always. It's, it's and just now the, uh, the Joss, I think know. it's fair to say that like a guy like Joss Whedon coming up today, if you had that personality, your career is not going to go. Not gonna, it's not going to fly. Zack Snyder, it's not going to fly. Absolutely. You know, and that's great, you know, and trans kids do matter. And that's important, you know. Yeah, it's not a 
Wow, boy. It, uh, I, don't, I can't even so wrap my head around the, uh, the, the fact that, well, you don't mind me saying it, the, the Republican Party just realized, oh, there's only like 0.002% of this country's trans. So if we make them the new demon, mm-hmm. uh, they won't have the numbers to defend themselves. We can just keep mm-hmm. banging that drum and mm-hmm. pretending that they're coming to ruin your, your life. Mm-hmm. But we've done it with other cultural groups, yours, mine, several yeah, others yeah. as well. One some of time. them we intern them, some of them we kick back across the Rio Grande. This is like their old playbook again. It's old. Come up with something else. Be a little bit more inventive. I like my racists as evocative and nouveau riche. I want something fresh and new or get off the stage. This old dusty ass racist thing is boring. And it's not challenging, and it's not going to beat anybody. Who cares? I don't even worry about it. Like, people run around, and they're like, oh, my God, Trump's going to come back. He's going to win again. He's going to win again. No, he's not. He's either going to die of a heart attack, go to jail, or get dragged in an election. That's what's going to happen. He's not doing anything. And I'm tired the of The dude has being, never won an election. He's never won anything in his life. He and hasn't, not except well he liked. was born into a family that had money. That's he, what he did. That's he the did only thing win he landing in the right uterus. Correct. Otherwise, good for, good for him. Otherwise, he's yeah. Well, and and yeah, I'm 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 with you. I'm not too worried about him. No, I'm not too worried about it. No, and the level of rumor and innuendo about him is absolutely ridiculous. From him, his lifestyle to his children to his wife, who his wife is hanging out with, who his wife is doing whatever she's doing as well. I hear so much crap about him. Oh, that's so funny. I, I live in this little, I've, I've shut it out. I, I don't even know who Melania is boning. I do. Nice. You can tell me when we're not recording if you Absolutely. want. Absolutely. But I'll tell you, I don't feel bad for the kids, but I watch the kids and I'm like, uh, you're still kissing that ass and you're going to be sorry. Like it's, it's just sad. that flavor is not going to come off. No. And it's only because they think he has money. And in the end, when this is all said and done, come on. There actually isn't any he had real money, more he wouldn't, debt. He He's wouldn't be acting like money. this. If he had real money, he wouldn't be acting like this. It's actually why he has to live in a house where he, everyone else is paying the mortgage. He's a loser. Straight he is a loser. He's a loser. I, I he's a loser. He gets up every day. He's a loser. And people around him are telling him that he's the best thing and, you know, in well, the world, and he's not yeah. like fifteen percent of the like, yeah. yeah. And those people are just happy because yeah. they keep he keeps yeah. gas prices down. That's their and they issue. represent one third of that party. But in the end, yeah, he doesn't. Yeah, no, there's. Thank goodness, things sort of. We'll see. It's running its course. We've all got our fears. It's paralleled with the COVID virus. You know, it's just you could put them both on a graph. You know. It's insane. It is insane that our first ever pandemic happened with our least intelligent, least competent Mm -hmm. leader of all time, Mm -hmm. who also had the habit of firing anyone who had competence. And uh, locusts showed up in Egypt, too. Okay. So there's that. If we're going to talk about this, you know. You can get you can go back to that Bible and say I, I this has all happened is. before. I know I forget how old I was, but there was a certain point where, like you know, because you go to I grew up going to you know a Reformed mm-hmm. Jewish temple, and like and there was that uh, spears and plowshares and swords and uh, mm-hmm. whatever, and I was like, 
you know, and I was aware of the anti-war stuff by then, probably by middle school or whatever. And I was like, well, like people have been trying to get rid of this war thing for like a couple thousand years. As long yeah. as it's been like, yeah, we're finally, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I remember that. I remember that very clearly. Mm-hmm. Like, damn, this Bible is actually, I get it. It is an allegory that works today. It is. If you choose to accept your... And if you read it without trying to put your bias on it, although maybe mm-hmm. I put mine on, I yeah, don't know. you know, without bias or prejudice or whatever, you know, if you can do it with an open mind. But, you know, people have a very difficult time opening their minds because they're always worried about what's in their wallets. People think a lot about money, and that is a means to an end for a lot of people. And I understand, especially people of... Uh, of uh not of means. I understand that being a, a difficult priority, but but yeah, it shouldn't it shouldn't affect your opinions of others and and groups and life and all that, all that. Yeah, but whatever. Now, obviously, neither of us can address the no. why the fuck are coal miners rooting for this dude who they don't even know really. Who who honestly? I mean, I don't know. I do lean on the because he he. He picks up the dog whistle and and blows it, and they're like, "Oh, he hates the people we hate." Yeah, exactly. That's what I was getting. Yeah, that's that's, that's, his, it, that's yeah. his that's his feature. But then they don't investigate why do they hate those people? They don't even know. They don't even know. No, they still think the Jews have horns. Absolutely. And most don't. <laughs> that's not. That's a bad joke. Right, but they Can't they enjoy a good anymore. running back at the same time. I mean, they they're so paradoxical. Yeah, there's we've so covered that before, that, right? Yeah, like, so like I can't that, figure out. Yeah, I, 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 I know people. Yeah, ex relatives. Uh, yeah, who mm-hmm. are like their fate. You know, they list all their favorite rappers, and then they're also racist. And I'm like, how can you? <laughs> you know, couldn't you at least be like, you know, whatever? You should just like Eminem and ICP, right? Like that's like, how can you, why do you respect these people and then also think that they shouldn't have the right to vote? Like that just doesn't it's work insane. for me. It's absolutely the contradiction. Crazy. Yeah. I know here I thought, you know, I grew up like worshiping Hendrix and I was like, how could you be a Hendrix fan and not respect black people? They go hand in hand. Pretty fucking easy, I guess. Yeah, I guess for some people they can just tell themselves anything. I don't you know? get it. I don't get it. Yeah, because they are judging. I don't know. It's not going to work out for him. No, long term. Long term, yeah. I mean, we're both optimists long term sure. and maybe pessimists of the moment. <laughs> yes, we are. We're both really good at that, being pessimists of the moment. Yeah. But, at and, the moment, yeah, every, yeah. there's the, the, the number of assholes we have to deal with isn't going to decrease quickly. No. But 100 years from now, actually, the 16-year-old I referred to uh, who... When Hillary was running for president, I think I told you this once that I said to her, when I was your age, we never thought a woman could run for president. We never thought we'd have a black president. And she she literally looked me in the eyes and said, the president's always been black. Because in her lifetime, it had only been Obama she'd been Mm -hmm. aware of. So to her, actually, and to her, like, there was no big deal that Hillary ran. Right. And actually, she saw the Barbie movie and said... Yeah, I don't care about that message at the end because, you know, women are equal, right? Like, she was like, like in her worldview, like, we're further along than mm-hmm. you and I think we are. Sure. And she will learn, if she ever leaves Los Angeles, that not everything is like it oh, is here. Oh, there's a cliff. 
when she there, if, yeah, yeah, if you go to if you go to school, I'm trying to trying to talk her to go out of state for college. <laughs> Probably an argument I'll lose. Yeah, so nice here. Why would you leave? Because learn new things. Yeah, I don't know. I always I have pom poms in my in the, in the closet that I shake and go go to school in Boston. Go to school in Boston. Like it's you know. I think it's just an amazing place for college. It's for college, yeah. It's a great education without question. I just question the culture of the city at times, you know. It, it is a very old school divided city. And it's going to stay that way. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was the first city I'd ever, when I visited a friend going to Tufts Dental School there, mm-hmm. that was the first time I got to see white guys pretending to be tough. That's funny. I was in Boston and we're walking along the street and the car like slides in the snow and almost like whatever. It was too close for this Irish guy who was with us. And he shouted, and then like another guy and they were like got face to face. and They're yelling at each other face to face. And I'm like, you guys would get your asses kicked so fast in L.A. Oh, yeah. You can't you can't like walk around yelling in people's faces. Mm -mm. But, you know, these two untough guys could just like act like they were. You know, bodybuilding, I don't know, it's very, I got a little glimpse into that culture. Yeah, a lot of yapping in the... Uh, a lot the of yapping. Yeah, a lot of yapping. Yeah, like that little dog in the cartoon that jumps up mm-hmm. and down. Yeah. Exactly. All right, did I take us on the wrong tangent? No, I just was thinking about the little dog jumping up and down in the cartoon and, and correlating that with the male ego of uh, Bostonians. Of a white Irish Bostonian, Bostonian. who's pretty sure... You know, I could have put me in the ring with that Tyson guy. I got some moves. Exactly. <laughs> Smash cut. He's being carted off in a body bag. If if only. Exactly. If only he, he could test himself. Yeah, he's not going to do that. How long are you going to be out here? Um, till the 8th. Till the 8th? Yes. So, so, so all should... of AFM, you and your partner will be hitting AFM. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. You'll be kicking ass and taking names. Absolutely. So it'll be fun. I'm looking forward to it. And um, we should get together for dinner before I leave or something like that, too. That might be fun. For sure. Yeah. For sure. We can have our off-the-record conversation. We can, yeah, we can. <laughs> the funny thing is, is there anything I wouldn't say while it's been No, recorded? there isn't. Pretty no. much not. No. Uh, except, you know, I don't know. I don't talk too much shit in real life. I just curse more. That's funny. That's actually funny. Although I don't really limit the cursing here. No, you don't. You're pretty, you know, colorful. American motherfuckers. Dude, I'm telling you, man. That's a thing. Yesterday I was at a friend's... Well, no, I'll tell you that one when we're off, off the mics. Fair enough. You feel good? I feel great. This is awesome. It's should always we, awesome. Uh, we're, we're at an hour 20. I don't know if we should... Uh, we should wrap it up. We should wrap it up. We should. Should I, yeah, anything you want to, you know, I mean, at this point, if people don't know, I mean, I'm, it's going to yeah. have all the clickable links for all, sure. all your usual. And uh, the new link is the Jones Foundation. Yeah, I typed that one down. Jonesfoundation.org. Yeah, jones-foundation.org. Jones hyphen. Hyphen. Like a dash, right? A dash. Yeah, jones-foundation.org. Good. That'll be a clickable link. Yes, it will. Um, I love it. I'm excited about it. And what it is doing is helping to, you know, supplement, continuing to make social justice uh, stories relevant 
and to also mentor and educate those that are interested in creating those types of stories themselves. Um, there are a lot of young people out there that want to be filmmakers, and I think that it's really important that they learn how to be filmmakers. You know, you, you can't just like pick up a sword and run into a fight. You'll get killed. You've got to know how to fight. And so I really want to develop and start a program to teach them how to be great filmmakers in order to tell great stories. That's the way to get it done. You, you, you're, you're marching ahead, but you're, you're forming troops behind you. Yeah. Right. So exactly. that the next generation, there will be hopefully a dozen Fredericks. Right. You know, I may not get there with you, but I've been to the mountaintop. So. Well, hopefully you'll be, uh, you know, sipping, sipping. I will be. Uh, uh, a nice iced tea and going, look at those 17 kids I got launched. Look at what they're doing. Look at what they're doing. And that's the guy I want to be. That's the old guy that I want to be. That's, that's the old guy that I want to be. And I want those kids to be from all different backgrounds as, as well. So I think that's important, too. The future is all of us, and all of this divisiveness needs to go. This, the, exper- the American experiment of a multicultural society? It can win. It can, it can work. It can work. Yeah. It can work. I mean, it does work it does where work. it does. It does. It works in pockets. And where it's not working, it's just not working because old traditions are in the way. But those, sure. those burn down. They do. They're going away. They're, they're, they're slowly, you know, dissolving away. Um, there's just a lot of people that live in those spaces that are in denial. And denial is a hell of a drug. But so is fentanyl. It is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not, I'm not going to try it anytime soon. No, we need you here with us. That's true. It's kind of dangerous, but... It is. Just ask any number of celebrities, you know... It is. No one wins against fentanyl. I guess not. Damn. No, it'll get anybody. Uh, a guy I know wrote a wonderful novel, actually, about a drug addict. Hopefully he has sold that book by now, but uh, it's a great book. Uh, I, I can't pull the title off my name, but Someone is a Dick is the name of the title. It, it used awesome. to be another. Uh, right. Sand something is a dick. But... Uh, but he's actually trying to score some fet because, like, all the other drugs aren't strong enough for him anymore. See, that's a nightmare. That is just it's that's, a it's it's terrible. a it's yeah. written by a recovered drug addict. Yeah, right. And I think that directly correlates with hate. That's why we have a Trump because people are just looking for a more hateful person to attach themselves to. Hate, you know, hate's a drug. There's no question about it. There's a high that you get from oppressing people because it makes you feel better. Than you really are. It's the, I, I think it literally, I think it fires the same synapses in your brain as taking fentanyl. And, and you and I, because we're so awesome, True. we even recognize the people we agree with on a lot of things. Sometimes they're hate-filled and they're too closed to... Same thing, yeah. A, a, and you're like, well, wait a minute. You are actually, uh, I agree with you, but what you're saying... It's fucked up. Exactly. You're going about it all wrong. Yeah. You know, you get an F for style points. Style and, and yeah, not seeing the bigger picture. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. So glad we didn't bring up Israel. Anyway. We did it. We, we did, did it. We are, we we are just, you know. I walked into this conversation living in fear. I was of, like. Of, of us bringing that up? Oh, th- we, of course of I did. I woke up in the middle of the night I last night. I like, can't even deal with it. I, I, I personally can't deal, oddly enough. 
Although I, uh, I will share uh, that if people Google uh, Israel Red Cross and and Gaza Strip Red Cross, there are there are you can donate to help people, human beings who've been injured. Yeah, and that's I think that's a lot more useful than putting a flag on your Facebook profile. Yes. Very judgy. <laughs> Listen to you. Man, you just said what I've been thinking for the past several weeks. Yeah, dude, I'm with you, man. Like, I don't I don't know. I, I think that is in poor taste. I really, really do. Um, but people got to do what they got to do. But like you said, there are opportunities for us to contribute to those that have been injured in this conflict. And those people are the number ones. Those people matter. You know, uh, these other like yahoos on both sides (laughs) that are given the marching orders that aren't out there on the front lines that will not take a bullet. Don't care. And there's still a Russian army in Ukraine killing innocent people. Absolutely. And And a Russian leader that might already be dead. And as far as we know. And uh, and a. political party in the United States that seems to take support for a democracy as a bargaining chip. Always. They've always done that. That's, that's I guess been so, from, yeah. From the it's just, it's that's, just that's in such poor taste. Exactly. Oh, Three-fifths of a person? Are you kidding me? Get out of here. Let's get out of here. Let's get out of here. All right. All of Frederick's clickable links will be clickable in the show notes. I'm not going to go on my closing spiel. I don't need to. Just, no. just, uh, the show notes will actually have links to shit I do, including TV High, which I am putting my hands together and praying to several different deities that uh, that will be the success that allows me to be an even more... I want it uh, to be, and one of the new shows is going to be American Motherfuckers, and we are delivering American season two of Hot Girls Getting High to you as well. We are working on it as we speak. Nice. You will be very excited about that. Um, as well and one of the other wonderful things is many of the ladies of Hot Girls Getting High have elevated their careers as well so there is a lot more um, tributaries feeding into this wonderful so it's a good thing all the way around but American motherfuckers we gotta do it gotta do it All right, everybody Frederick Taylor one of my of the returning champion and the world's best podcast or guest in general the world's best I'll just make a t-shirt for you that says world's best. There you go. You know, all the part of And when people go, what? And just shrug and go, just the best. There you go. Same thing. Just dream. the best. Right. I'm just the best. No arguments. You will get nothing from me. And if you're listening to this, like and subscribe. Oh, I said it. I don't even know what they're liking and subscribing to, I guess. They know what they're liking and subscribing to. All right. Goodbye, everybody. Adios. Adios.